Season 4 has been rough for Street Fighter V, and we want to see some changes heading into next year. Plus, Majin Ten Shinhan joins to talk about community reactions to what we've seen and heard on Guilty Gear 2020, and Mai has shown too much side boob to be in Smash, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to a sick episode of the Event Hubs podcast, and I mean sick literally because I'm definitely sick and you guys could probably hear it in my voice. I'm probably going to be coughing and muting my mic a bunch, but... I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. You are both sick and sick. Yeah. And also, I have to share with both you and the listeners that I, for the first time two nights ago, actually got my hands on a Popeye's chicken sandwich. Oh. And we talked about this briefly, you and I, and I said I haven't been able to get my hands on it, and uh, I'm, I've just heard bad reports. I want to let everyone know it's the best thing I've ever had at Popeye's. It is good it is quality it is not quite as good as chick-fil-a but it is worth getting and i will go back and get it again and there you go so that's my that's my honest response and consensus to the popeye's chicken sandwich but i want to let you know i did finally get one and that's what's up yeah i i I think back to like the simpsons and they had like poochie on there right and they were hyping him up as like you know the mess the next amazing thing it was like basically you know like you know the earth was created and like the universe and the sun shined and then not much happened and then we made poochie you know kind of thing that's that's the level i have heard the popeye sandwich being on right like you know people freaking killing over it or something like that i was like so i i needed the review thank you you know now now i i do have to try it but it's worth it's not worth getting in a fight in the drive-through over right. but it's worth if you can get one without doing that go for it all right definitely good to know so and popeyes you should definitely sponsor our podcast because we will hype you up we will say <laughs> you're the next best thing since like you know the earth was created or whatever i will right? say I'm you're like better than chick-fil-a in. yeah there we go you sponsor our podcast. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. Uh, something that's not sponsored by us, d- despite popular opinion. Um, that would be Street Fighter V. The most important things we hope are changed for the next season. And Ono has recently given us an interview. He's talked about it. He said, hey, this is an outline of what you can kind of expect for season five. It's a lot of what season four was, but hopefully a heck of a lot more communication in there, right? So um, we've covered some of this stuff in depth before in previous podcasts. So anything that we've covered a lot in the past... We're going to kind of get through it very quickly, you know, just yeah, so we'll mention know. it and just jump past. it. Yeah. And, and if you're really curious about like that stuff, like just, you know, cycle back through older episodes and you can hear us go on about Rashid for about five hours, you know, and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like you will definitely hear it there. Uh, we, we've already covered it in depth. So, you know, try to go fast. So um, we know that Street Fighter five is very likely to receive a season five balance patch here fairly soon. Uh, in the past, these updates have either come in December or January, so we could be as little as one or two months away from seeing adjustments. And, yes. and so balance is definitely a, a huge part of what we're going to be getting into. Um, and, and so, yeah, here's an overview of, of what I'm hoping to see. Um, if you get characters knocked down to around the 10th spot overall in the tiers, right, you you basically make it so that there is not a clear number one character in Street Fighter V. I think that is something that Ultra Street Fighter Four did and did very well. There is definitely was at least a debate as like who the number one character was in that. Was it Yun? Was it Evil Ryu? Um, mm-hmm. Some people even freaking said Elena. There was a debate. Oh. You know, <laughs> it, it's, um, it, was, it was not a clear number one character in this. And, and there's a pretty clear number one in this game. It's, uh, it's Rashid. And if it's not him, it's Akuma, right? Like yeah. it, it's, and then like everyone else kind of follows in line from 
from there. Uh, you can make debates with stuff, but those are like the, the two characters and very clearly head and shoulders above everyone else. It has been there for a couple of years now. Those characters have been dominant and it's one of the big issues with making the game very stale and just not that interesting. Uh, uh, Nicholas, who will be on with us later on, He's been pointing out that the entrants for the Capcom Pro Tour have gone down uh, considerably, and he mm-hmm. thinks a lot of that is due to the um, just kind of the, the overall stale nature of the game. And I'm hoping Capcom has learned from this. I'm hoping you know we, we've discussed all the reasons why they they did what they did with season four. Um, I'm just hoping they they take that away from and go, okay, we can never not do a .5 balance patch again. You know, like we. Well, mm-hmm. That's the heart of my motivations for answering the the general prompt that we're getting at here. What do we want to see changed? Well, to me, it feels like the game is indeed pretty stale. And when you're actually playing it, the, the returns are quickly diminishing. And that's my point of view, but that seems to be what other people are more or less saying. It seems to be sort of reflected in the numbers for the, uh, the Pro Tour events and we're making something of a transition to making Street Fighter V more and more and more into a spectator sport. Street Fighter League is fun to watch. The Capcom Pro Tour is fun to watch. It's cool to see how Bonchan's evolving his Karen, how Tokido's figuring out Akuma further, things along those lines. That part of it is still doing pretty darn well. But the playing at home thing, it feels like it might be starting to slip away. And I don't want that. I don't think anybody wants that because this first and foremost to us has been something to do at home and and with with you know friends with the community but you're part of it and i don't want this just to become you know maybe we can go play football in the backyard but the big leagues that's kind of its own thing um, I would really hope that we don't move too far into that realm. Right. And I, I would actually take issue with something you said about like watching, you know, Tokido's Akuma or uh, Gachakun's Rashid or whomever, you know, those two characters are in tournaments way too often. And it gets, look, I, I watch a lot of tournament footage and I know people watch a little bit less usually than I do, but um, I, even those people are complaining about it. Like a Rashid mirror will come on and you're, you're seeing all the resident sleeper stuff come up there. And people are getting really pissed off about how often we are seeing, partic- particularly those two characters. I, I do see some complaints about Karen and a few others, but like mm-hmm. it's really Akuma and Rashid. It's like these characters have been problems for years now. Freaking fix them. And don't <laughs> do this crap about we're not going to do a .5 balance update. That's ridiculous. It should never happen. Not with this kind of modern fighting game. Everyone is updating their balance usually much more frequently than that. And I know Dragon Ball Fighters fans are sitting out there going like, hey, how about Kid Goku? <laughs> I understand that is a huge issue as well. Uh, even bigger than what we're talking about here. Um, but, you know, Kid Goku's only been out there for a while now. You know, he... he and. Bandai Namco is pretty well known for actually updating their, their games, uh, at least on the Tekken side of things. I know that they're you know pretty consistently doing balance. I, I think that Dragon Ball Fighters will get an update here sooner rather than later. But, uh, but Tekken just had a huge problem with Akuma. And I don't know whether or not, because I don't play Tekken enough to, to really be able to talk to how extreme this issue was. But the main problem was that the community was upset about Akuma. And the reason why is because he was popping up all over the place in top eights. It was just, I don't know what happened, what the shift was exactly, but he became a problem. Tekken uh, and Bandai, they rolled out a patch. And then the only change I think they made to him was that they made his meter build uh, 25% slower, something along those lines. But it was an acknowledgement, and then we'll see what happens with this. But they jumped on that. They nipped yeah. it in the bud, similar to the way they handled the input lag when people were upset about that. So that's how you should do it. <laughs> yep, I agree. 
So getting back into it then, um, I think that aiming to make the characters around where the 10th fighter currently is right now in Street Fighter V, and, and to give people an idea of kind of like, you know, just from our tiers alone, um, who falls into there. It's kind of like your Guile, uh, Colleen. Um, some Bison. People, yeah, Bison's actually more like top five, you know, um, for some oh, people. Okay. But yeah, he's a, a little lower. Uh, Mika, Yurian, uh, some people have Kami there. Um, and, uh, and yeah, those are kind of like the characters that you go and. That's not the murderer's row of Street Fighter V, right? People have varying opinions on how good those characters are, but you're not hearing massive complaints about, you know, Urian. Yeah, there are complaints about him, but they're not massive. Mm-hmm. Not everyone, like, losing their minds over that character. So yes. if you make that the power level, if you make that collectively there, you're setting it, like, you're setting a good bar. And then with that, you take all the low-tier characters and you make them that much better, even without touching them. Because you're taking the the top upper echelon characters that are usually destroying those lower tiers and matchups, and you are you're making them less effective. And, and boom, all of a sudden all those low tier characters are that much more viable. Yeah. And this is coming off of a couple of years of balance patches. And as much as we've said to the, you know, the negative side of how Street Fighter V is balanced right now, because we're aiming to make it even better, there have been leaps and bounds. And and like Rashid was way worse before. So just keep moving down that path. But yes, uh, the the big difference this year was that there was no mid-season change. So it just felt like, well, you're stuck with this and... I think it's a combination of the expectations of how Street Fighter V is supposed to evolve more consistently than maybe past uh, iterations and the actual impact of just how strong these characters are, just how oppressive they are to the game experience. combination of that has made this whole season feel... Uh, well, I guess stale, sort of locked in place, like we're kind of moving through mud in certain respects, and uh, and it's, it hasn't been a good look. I've heard a couple of times, like I think it was Vesper Arcade recently mentioned that this is the worst season of Street oh, yeah. Fighter. Yeah. yeah, and you feel the same way, because I think there are a lot of really good things about it, considering how bad the problems were in previous seasons, but... This season, as far as I, I, we should just be more specific, as far as the way Capcom has handled things, as far as the way we've talked about evolving the game, that's where this season has fallen off. I mean, you look at the launch of Street Fighter V. It was one of the most atrocious launches in the history of fighting games. Um, yeah. And you look back at that and you go, I would still take that over what we got in season four. And not it's not even a consideration on my end. It's just like that had momentum. It had some hype. There were problems, but at least we knew they were actively working on it and they were actively communicating what they were doing. They took season four and just said, we're doing things differently and freaking went radio silent for six or seven months. That was one of the dumbest and most horrific things you can do to a community that you have built up that expectation with. And, and season four of Street Fighter V is, again, hands down to me, or the worst season we have ever had. It is mind-blowingly bad what they did. And if they ever come back and repeat that again, ugh, I don't even want to think of where the game's going to be at. It's just, it's, it's it, again, it still blows my mind how crappy that was that they did it. This feels pretty rash. Like, I agree that there are parts of this season that are the worst but like as far as the gameplay itself i think still we're in a much better place than we were with uh you know when the input lag was around and and then abigail was doing his thing right and uh before that like season one mika and the problems people were having with with that kind of stuff you know throw loops anti-air jabs i think the game overall has been in a worse place but again it's it's the feeling of relationship 
between Capcom and the community that we're specifically talking about here? Yeah, it's um, it's funny that you mentioned this because we were talking about it in the Event Hub's chat earlier today, and we were mentioning like, what is really the problem with season four? Because the gameplay is better, we've got more characters, we've got all this, and it really came down, uh, our conclusion was expectations. Okay, that's fair. Capcom failed heavily more more so than i mean again the launch of street fighter 5 expectations were there like they failed more heavily with season four because they completely dropped the ball for six or seven months for half the year you know for, for remember how much we were complaining in season one of like capcom we need you to communicate yeah. like let us know if you're behind and you can't release a bookie fine but keep us updated so that our expectations can be managed i remember us having these similar conversations yeah. but that was still not as bad as seven or eight months of radio silence. Yeah, just complete silence. You know, it's one thing to not communicate very well. It's another thing to not do it at all. You know, and, and I, I do think that during the launch of Street Fighter V, there was a number of times um, where Ono went on record and said, hey, we, we know we botched the launch. This is what's coming. I, I think mm. they communicated a heck of a lot more during season the, the launch season of the game. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. We, we've definitely been yeah. over that quite a bit. Um, I will note that the the next thing on my list here are V-Trigger activations on block. Uh, they made yep. Abuki's V-Trigger negative two on block. And so I think that they could universally do this in this entire game where you are no longer ever plus on block uh, it, when you activate V-Trigger. You can get a hit confirm and, you know, go into your combo. That's fine. Um, but it's just that's it's never that completely free activation. If it's negative two universally, that's fine. At least you're not, yeah. you know, setting the opponent up for disaster because you hit a button and then you hit another button. You know, and it's just no skill involved with it. Pretty, pretty much. There's a little, but pretty much it's just like it's free stuff. And and we've really heavily, you know, rallied against just do it moves. And that's been one of the most refreshing changes since season four started was the fact that Ibuki could. I mean, because that V trigger was very, very strong and it still is very good. But she doesn't get her first mix up and then for you know for free and then her second mix up. She's got to earn that first one and then make the second one happen. And that feels fair because of how powerful that well that character in general is, but specifically that V trigger. That's been amazing. That's awesome. I'm I'm happy to play against Birdie when they have V trigger too because this other game evolves of yeah, well, he's got to get it to, he's got to activate. So he's either got to get really far away or score a hit. And I know that's what he's thinking. And like, that's exciting and, and, and intriguing. It's a little game within the game. If we did that across the board, you're going to have that in, in most every match. And that would be great. Yeah. And this is something the staff has been divided with me on. Um, I still personally would implement the uh, extra damage scaling on V-Trigger activations. Even if you get the hit, even if it's confirmed, I would still have it scale an additional time. Uh, yeah. And just, you know, just knock down that guaranteed damage once more, you know, and make people make that extra read. Because there's still plenty of times in tournament matches to this very day where someone will activate, do, you know, 300, 400, 500 damage. And it's like... They kind of earned it, but they kind of didn't, you know, and it just mm -hmm. it this would not take that off the table. Just make it way less effective. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and now that we've outlined kind of the core things that we'd adjust here in Street Fighter five, if all this comes to pass, the meta of the game is going to start looking a good bit different. Right. Uh, mindless V trigger activations into death are going to be less common and less powerful. Um, mm -hmm. As I just mentioned, still effective, but this is going to put much more emphasis on footsie based play which ultimately is what Street Fighter should be. That is what, it's a core tenet of Street Fighter's kind of existence. And the fact that, that Street Fighter V has dialed that back so heavily is really unfortunate for the game. And one of the ways you bring that back up is you make footsies more efficient and more rewarding for your players. And then they do yeah. it more. 
You know, we're yeah. all trying to win in this game, right? And, and we're going to take whatever route is the most efficient and effective way to win. That is, you know, it's common sense. is like, well, if, if you're going to sit there and focus just on anti-airs exclusively and nothing else, because, you know, it's like, well, I really enjoy anti-airing and it's not scrubbing, uh, scrubby and all that kind of stuff. It's, you know, it's, it's, that's not the most effective way to win in this. It will help, mm -hmm. but there are much more effective and efficient ways to do it. And right now, footsies are not an effective and efficient way to win at Street Fighter V. Yes, and I want to make a clarification, which you already technically did in the wording that you used, but I want to further stamp it down um, just so there's no mystery about it. This is not to say that every fighting game needs to be central to or footsies based, and that has to be the core of it. it but we're talking specifically about Street Fighter, the expectations, the experience that people want. There's a certain amount of wiggle room, absolutely, but you can go outside of those, uh, you know, move past those boundaries, and then people are not experiencing what they're mainly sitting down to experience and and that's where you run into problems and i think that's where street fighter 5 still is a little bit we still need to move it a little closer to the center because it's a little too far off in one direction or the other um and a big part of that how to how to tackle that as i've been thinking about this general idea is to well it always comes back down to the risk reward and we've talked a lot of times about the risk reward of, of offense versus defense and how there's so much in the way of offense, mindless offense. And that's where you get into things like the activation on V triggers being plus and with moves that should otherwise be completely punishable and will crush counter you if they hit, right? Like the, it's just so scaled over to one side of things and you want to get to that balanced place. Uh, another big change that I would do in this same realm is to, um, you know, you, you want to take away from offense and you want to add a little bit to defense and kind of see where you end up there. So whether that be something like uh, buffing up V reversals, making people choose to spend their meter, uh, their V gauge meter specifically in another way, I think that would be a great look for the game. Um, and just a more thoughtful process. We want thoughtfulness in the back and forth. Right. And so let's say that all these changes we're proposing make it right into the game, right? You know, we, we're here at January 1st, we'll just say, you know, and, and the brand new season five patches out. Everything we've asked for is right there. Mm -hmm. It's not like Street Fighter V is going to be a brand new game at that point. It should shift into more thoughtful and calculated stuff like, like what we're requesting. Um, but it's not going to be a brand new game where offense is still not very strong and very powerful. Like you can get, you know, a stray hit, a crush counter, a few other things in this and really set the opponent up in an Okazima situation and where they are, they're rough. You know, they're, it's just like, that is a foundational part of what Street Fighter V is. And we don't want to take that away. At least I don't, you know, I, I, that is what this game is. What I want to do is I want to dial that back a bit. And so once people... Once those changes are in, you know, like like I said, everything we requested, it's in there, right? Mm -hmm. Even even on day one, the game is not going to shift that much initially because we have spent years being taught that these are the effective tactics that you do. These are the things that you have to approach with, right? And it's going to take months, usually probably looking at like, you know, March, uh, April, somewhere around there for kind of the whole collective community's meta to switch over to like, oh, I need to play a more calculated and more footsie based and there's more defensive options and all this kind of stuff. Like it's going to take a while for that whole, you know, the whole community to kind of shift over um, because the stuff that we've always used is still going to be effective. It's just going to be less effective and there's going to be more effective options and the players who adapt faster are going to be better than the rest of the fold at that point. But, but again, that core game, it's not going away. It's just evolving. I have a 
change that's I think a little bit more intense than anything else that we've brought up so far. And I wonder if, after I propose this, tell me if you still think that that's true, what you just said, like if we were to implement this particular change, that it wouldn't be a whole new experience. And that would be for a majority, a select majority, it's not just across the board, but a majority of both specials, heavies, and even some medium buttons to have added recovery on whiff, meaning that it's more of a risk to just go out there and push the button. Urian can't just spam heavy punch and you know have a happy-go-lucky time doing it. He's got to think about it because if he whiffs, he's sitting out there for a few extra frames where someone can more realistically you know, maybe walk up and punish and not walk from far away. It's like we're, we're talking a handful of frames here. Mm-hmm. But where it's like a difference maker of like, yeah, I can't just toss this out there. I can't be wish punishing and buffering as much. I can choose when I think that someone might be dashing forward or something like that, or I'm going to catch a stray limb. But more so, it's like if I hit roundhouse or if I'm doing this stuff, like even medium buttons out in the ether and and uh, the ether and, and like just whiffing them out there, someone's going to punish me for it a lot more consistently. I have to think about the buttons I'm going to push and I have to push them at certain ranges and I have to be more and more and more precise with my movements and my actions. What do you think? You think added whiff recoveries on uh, specials and a lot of the uh, the normals would be too much of a game changer, or do you think it would be a positive thing and still maintain the identity of Street Fighter Five? So, I mean, I'll, I'll start with specials, and I think that universally, a lot of those are already negative right now on block, and I think that's a good thing overall. Um, they usually either can be interrupted, you know, their block strings, um, or they have some kind of way of blowing them up. And I think specials are pretty good right now overall in the meta of Street. Well, Fighter I'm not 5. talking about on block though. I'm talking about on whiff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't I can't think of too many specials that you whiff, and it's just like like if Yuri and uh, whiffs his knees and you jumped like over him and he still has time to crouching heavy punch okay. you yeah or if like akuma whiffs an air fire this is like my biggest one i think and it's a little bit of a special case but if akuma is like air fireball if that thing touches you from anywhere it seems as though nine times out of ten akuma can convert that into a full combo into a great situation where he's either got you in the corner for sure oki and you're it's bad news bears for you it also beats a lot of anti-air situations because he's throwing a hurt boxless thing down at you. And uh, unless you have a, like a DP that goes at the right angle and is invincible, I'm lucky as an Akali to have that. But I think a lot of characters don't have that. Um, the answer is usually like, well, if you can get under that thing, then you should be able to punish him because it, it rewards him so much and it costs him so little to do. But so often I'll get under it. And sometimes you won't actually get under it. You'll get clipped and get destroyed for it. Get under it. If you wait for him to land on the ground, it's like a two-frame window or something like that where you have to hit him. And it's like, yeah, you can do that. And if you're really good, but like that's really difficult to consistently do considering what's going on right now. And I think you should be able to, if, if Akuma whiffs an air fireball and you're under him, you should be able to hit him on the ground for full combo, not have to hit him out of the air or uh, fail to time your stuff because the window is so tight. Things like that. So if there was more whiff recovery on things, people couldn't just toss them out freely and i think there are a handful of of uh specials like that it's yeah. more so in the normals and the footsies realm but there are yeah, a handful gotcha. of specials where it's just too much yeah I'll, so since we're focusing mostly on the normals um i'll get into that in just a second but i wanted to wrap up with the, the specials sure. you and i um campaigned very hard against the just do it moves and we talked about a character like birdie who had a lot of them and capcom you know dialed those back and i think that history shows that is the right move and if you have yeah. just way too much of just do it moves um that don't have very clear you know counters to them when you know they're coming and someone can just kind of throw it out willy-nilly uh, without thinking 
you generally need to dial that move back because it's not right. a good look for the game, right? Uh, and so, uh, as you say, a handful of examples there. So now going back to normals, I, while you were talking about it, I thought that, yes, it will alter the game. To answer your question, I don't think it will have a significant enough impact because this is still not a footsies-based game at the end of the day. The footsies in this game do not often lead to big conversions. They did in Street Fighter 3, and they did in Street Fighter 4. You could get you know, a straight, medium, uh, you know, counter-hit counter confirm and do other stuff and whatnot, and you could do this with crush counters in this game. But it's just for, for what I see the game being at, it happens, but it's not a dominating factor in this game. Not like a V-trigger is, right? Not like the V-trigger activation stuff oh, that sure. we're, we're talking about. So I definitely see the swing, the pendulum, you know, and, and definitely being overall a good thing. I certainly would not, you know, have any issue if they decided to make this change that, you know, hey, because uh, they've done it before, right? And, and it did help the game be a little bit more calculated. Um, again, whenever you have a move that's really strong that you can just kind of spam, people are going to do it. Why would you not do that? You're, you're not having to think or do nearly as much as anyone else is. Um, and you've got basically a win button at that point you're going to use it right um so i I'm, I'm definitely on board with it i i just i guess i don't feel like it would have a gigantic shift on the game's meta overall if that was like say the only change uh that we got yeah you'd have to kind of corral people or usher them toward playing more footsies to begin with um, and uh so i agree with you i think the the impact of like a v trigger change like we were talking about earlier would be more significant but what about both at the same time? Well, maybe you're changing the identity of the game too much there. But um, that, that is something that I've found myself in a lot of grief over many times. So I wanted to bring it up. Gotcha. gotcha. So um, I would put an extra emphasis on buffing up characters who don't have a lot of just do it moves, not by giving them just do it's. Um, but again, footsie play should be more rewarded in this. And I look at a character like Karen, who is complained about, but she's not considered as bad by the masses as someone like Rashid um, or Akuma mm -hmm. or something like that. And that's because footsies are generally considered to be high-level fighting game stuff. If you're doing that, we, we, we agree that the mental back and forth and the reward and all that kind of stuff that you get from that is like, it's pretty good, you know? And that's how come I think that Karen is complained about, but for as much as she wins and as dominant as that character has been, uh, particularly from the players who have been using her, which is Punk and Bonchan, which are number one, number two, in whatever order you want to put them in on the CPT leaderboards right now. Um, and, and probably the, the two best players alive at this moment in time. Um, even given that dominance, like you don't hear the the level of complaint with Karen that you think that that would bring in, right? It's still about Akuma and Rashid at the end of the day for a lot of people. So with footsies being as generally respected and appreciated with Street Fighter players as they are, I think you look at giving characters who play this way either more of the status quo treatment or the buffs if they kind of suck. And I think that would help evolve the game's identity a bit. Um, for an example here, a character like Chun-Li, I would leave mostly alone or maybe mm -hmm. give her one or two buffs. Because again, if we're bringing everyone down to the 10 level, well, well Chun-Li is like, you know, within a sneeze or two of being a top tier character at that point, right? And you don't want to over buffer because um, she's right around, a lot of people have around the 15, 20 range or something like that. So you give her one or two solid buffs and she's going to rise up. And especially if footsies are way better overall, well, now Chun-Li, Chun. <laughs> yeah, see, and so you're getting the benefit on a lot of different ends at that point. Um, so you, she might be a character that you leave completely alone and just the meta of the game evolving makes her so much better. And um, 
So we're adjusting the top tiers uh, uh, with all the stuff in mind. And, and you know, Chun-Li does fall apart against some of the, the top tier characters as well. So like she's getting buffs, like even if you don't change her at all, she's getting like five different buffs for just how the game is going. The, the top tiers being your footsies being better, V triggers being worse, um, all that kind of stuff. Like it just, it adds up very quickly. And that's how come it's so important to look at the new game's ecosystem. And I call it a new game, but the new season's ecosystem. Um, and, and kind of look at how collectively everything is going to work because you could argue with, you know, being 18, uh, 15, whatever overall Chun is in the tiers right now that, oh, she definitely needs buffs. Well, if you adjust the game in this way with the, you know, with the whole ecosystem in mind, you, you go, well, maybe we don't want to buff that because she's already going to be really damn good now. If what you're saying is accurate, the picture that you're painting, and I don't disagree with you, but I have to say it that way just because you know there, I'm sure there are people that, that would. But if that's the case, I think then this points back to how much of like a blanket or a, a stifling part of the game V-Triggers have become. Because if what you're saying is true, and say you make this change, and then a character like Chun-Li and virtually you know everybody that's not doing the the super abusive uh, V-Trigger thing right now, gets to basically express themselves as a character more. They get to come out of their shell and they get to use their tools. They get to, you know, actually operate in the space and explore things. It feels as though V-Triggers are completely putting just this giant wet blanket over things like yeah. that. And, um, and, and I do think that that's what's going on. I do think that we should be aiming at the V-System and trying to fix it or fix the game quote unquote from there first and it, it looks like that's sort of the effect that it's having on the game right now is that it's just not letting anybody else kind of they're all just stuck in this muck they can't be themselves they can't like do the things that they they do because here comes v trigger yeah. after like a safe move you know yeah yeah and um, I, I will very quickly recap, um, since we're a little further into the pod now, just some of the changes we proposed in other podcasts. I'm going to go through this really quickly, like total go lightning round here. Uh, Rashid, less quarter carry and worse quarter escape options. Akuma, worse normals, lowered health, no free fireball activation into V-Trigger. Haha, <laughs> V-Trigger again. You know, we haven't talked about that at all. Uh, Karen, lower her health back, bound, uh, back down to 900. Less damage on some of her EX moves. Uh, Bison, less advantage on some of his block normals. Uh, Ibuki, less damage on EX moves uh, because of her V-Trigger activation combos. Um, yeah, and again, if you if you universally solve V-Trigger activation combos, maybe you don't mess with Ibuki that much anymore because she really does a lot with her V-Trigger activation combos. So it's like a huge part of the character, and so maybe she's hurt really bad over that, and the ecosystem doesn't make sense, right? But anyway... Um, G dial back how brain dead easy his V trigger one is to do stuff with. Uh, it's pretty much like I'm just going to do stuff and you hold massive mix ups with this uh, and then adjust down the strong characters that are easy to play um, uh, just by virtue of their, their lack of execution. Nikali, Kami, Bison. Um, and again, that's not stuff that you and I universally all agree on, but it is stuff that you and I have proposed here on the podcast as ways of handling it. But when you're actually getting in there and making, you know, you tweak 20 things and it has all these like residual effects you never expected. Some of these changes we proposed might not make any damn sense anymore. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, like, you know, and, and Capcom's usually pretty good at this stuff when, when they do it. You know, when they actually put out a .5 balance patch, they usually get it better, so. I'm excited to see what they do. We don't know. I, I think balance patches are pretty much a lock, basically, uh, because of Ono's language in the interview. I think we're definitely going to get balance patches, but I, and then I don't think we're going to get one, we'll get one, and then we're not going to get a .5 until after the, the World Open, but... 
I would like to see that. I would like to see because because people do want that continued evolution of Street Fighter Five in some because that's how we've known the game for forever. And balance patching uh, is probably a good way to go about that, even if we're not necessarily getting as much in the way of like new modes anymore, new characters, stuff like that. Balance would be a good place to be. Yeah, definitely, especially with what Street Fighter Five has been uh, and what Street Fighter Four was. You know, it's like there, there's it, Street Fighter Five doesn't hold a candle to what Street Fighter Four's balance was. Uh, the game was just superbly balanced and well thought out, and that's what Street Fighter Five needs to aim to be again. You know, mm-hmm. so um, but I, I did want to go back to one thing because um, you you obviously are a competitive player. Uh, you play at a high level. Um, once all the stuff that we're talking about is in the game, and I mentioned three or four months before it really starts to click with players. Do you agree with that? Do you think that like with all this new meta and all this new kind of stuff that we're talking about, do you think it's really going to kind of start to, to, to heavily show up in that time frame? That's kind of a universal truth with any sort of change like this that comes into any game. It's going to take some time for people to figure out, and some people are going to do it more uh, rapidly and more efficiently than others. But as far as how long does it take for the general public? Yeah, a few months, uh, might, maybe even more, maybe longer, because I don't think people... Uh, I know, speaking for myself, I can very easily just get stuck in my own way of thinking, and then something changes, and... I might not make the adjustment. That happens a lot. I have to be actively thinking about it. So it comes down to how many people are actively thinking about it. The pros are going to be. You know they're going to be. But a lot of people that play more casually are not going to. So um, I would say three to six months is is a fine amount of time before you're going to see the general average person that's playing the game actually start to make these transitions for before then it's a whole bunch of well i activated on v trigger and and i'm still pushing buttons but i'm getting hit for it right you know things along those lines so yeah i I think that's a that's a valid guess for how long it would be and i want to remind people that that if this all comes to pass like new tools are great for your character but sometimes uh, especially if the meta evolves like we're hoping it does it may be more of a case of exploring tools that have always been there but there have been better options before then like, so let's say, for example, um, your character has this beautiful set of anti-airs um, and, you know, they lead into resets and they lead into all these, you know, fundamental situations that you've never really explored before because anti-airing is important in this game, but it's not as important as getting in someone's face and blowing them up, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the Street Fighter Five meta is get in there, get Oki, kill someone, you know? Um, yes. So, but your character might have these setups that you've just kind of never explored because you didn't have to, right? Because you had more effective things to go for. So just because, like, on the balance patch, you know, notes that we get just because you don't have a bunch of new tools or changes and whatnot doesn't mean your character doesn't have brand new things that have been underexplored or are never properly explored that aren't sitting there and won't lead them to a great spot right take that big stifling wet blanket off and who knows what you're gonna find yes exactly so so anyway um, yeah, it, it's FGC members are, are creatures of habit. So I wouldn't expect to see a lot of the new meta again, you know, just to pop right out there, right? It's going to take a while, but there's a great chance to explore. And that's how come we talk so much about a balance patch that's really well thought of they, that breathes so much new life into our community because like, oh, there's all this new stuff that that's, yeah, it's been there, but man, there's a brand new way to apply it now. There's just, a, that's a fresh coat of paint, you know, kind of thing. So those would be probably costumes, but whatever. You guys are going <laughs> to So agreed. Um, so with this, we, we are talking about what we want to see in the next season of Street Fighter V. I've touched on this before, but I think hell or high water, you have to have a 0.5 balance change this time around. I don't care how much you alter the meta and all this stuff like that. That is a very healthy expectation for our community. But one of the things that I would do with that is instead of having it happen around February, March, April, which is where history has traditionally shown the, the 0.5 balance change to come, I want it to come right after Evo. 
right after Evo. And that's Capcom has kind of hinted that that might be the case. Um, but of course, you know, they could always, you know, update the game right before the Intel World Open, you know, actually happens. And then that's our 0.5 balance change. But with that, I don't understand how you wouldn't wait a little bit later on into the season so you can see what things are problems and then just dial them back. The 0.5, you know, release, it is not a major overhaul to the game. That comes once a season. That's what happens. The 0.5 release is to say these tactics are a little bit too strong. Let's go ahead and just adjust them down a bit and then we're good. You know, and, and I don't understand why you would not have that in the middle of the season versus again, right, you know, two or three months like after you just did a major patch. It was interesting that they sort of put themselves they put themselves in this corner from the beginning, and I have to assume it has something to do with the way people reacted to Mortal Kombat X's. Uh, like just every every two weeks they're getting some new balance patch and someone was OP and then they weren't and it was just the game was in such flux that it's like well there's no stable ground here uh, uh, what, what am I even doing here right and they wanted to avoid that kind of a problem but they went from the start it's like we're only going to update once a year and it's like why why put yourself there why do you have to go to that extreme and this is looking back on it it sounded like a fine idea at the time uh, but yes over this over these last four years or so having a well it's not even halfway through the year right we're talking about eight months not you know seven eight months into the year mm -hmm. uh, but like being able to identify okay these are the specific things that people are having problems with last year they they sort of did that right with like abigail and such and they, they didn't really get it all the way right until they swapped things arguably a little too far here in season four for him but you have that window to to tweak things around a little bit. And they were doing little ninja edits too. Like every couple of weeks or something, like maybe a new uh, uh, costume would come out. And then also Cody's framed add on one of his moves changed or Akuma's knee became a little less positive on block, things along those lines. It's like, that's totally fine. I don't see, you guys don't have to buff or change things every two weeks, but like you should be able to fix problems when they arise. Mm -hmm. I think just going with that attitude, like, yeah, well, you know, deal with it for a little bit, but if it's still here in six months, we'll address it. I think that's kind of the, that's the approach that seems most efficient that has emerged as we've kind of gone to both extremes over the last couple of years. Right, right. And, and so for our listeners out there, they might be skeptical, like all these changes we're proposing and saying like, you guys, you're, you're full of beans that you think this is going to alter the meta of the game and all that. And I, I said, okay, well, let's look at some history here. Super Street Fighter 4 came out in April 2010. Uh, it took us a few months to realize how strong a bunch of the charge defensive characters were in that game. But Bison, Chun-Li, Guile, Honda, they all jumped up several spots in that game. Uh, and and actually, the game kind of hit dark times for a while because of how dominated it was by defensive play. You were seeing those characters at the very top, and they were really hard to dislodge. And then you had a few other characters that were more middle tier that were doing like Rose and a few others. Um, well, then Abel had his ultra that immediately just shot him up to the top of the charts. Yeah, too. yeah you had a few exceptions that were more offensive based, but but again, that game was heavily dominated by, do, uh, by defense uh, at, at that time. So then we saw Arcade Edition come out, and it put a number of the more offensive based characters up very high again. You had Yun, Yang, Akuma, Rufus, Sea Viper, Seth, and Cami, and all of a sudden with that shape, Faye. yeah, Faye as well, right? Um, and uh, you know, if Faye was more of an offensive or defensive character, it's kind of a little bit hard to say because he's kind of that hybrid, right? He kind of operates in both spaces, but well, he had a bunch of unblockables too. Yeah, that just yeah. yeah, that might be a little bit different from what we're talking about here, but yeah, yeah. But those characters all jumped up, and all of a sudden, Arcade Edition was like, oh, offense is back. We we've got the game totally tilted towards offense, and uh, as you mentioned, they had the unblockables. 
you had all this kind of stuff. And and that led us actually into getting delayed wake up and and what many people consider now to be the most balanced version of Street Fighter ever into Ultra Street Fighter 4. And Capcom's like, okay, you've got your offensive characters, you got your defense, here's a mix and match of them. A bunch of these characters, I think we we, we speculated like 35 of the game's characters like um, were, were like tournament viable or something like that. Like not that, you know, they were all winning tournaments, but they were like, you could compete with those characters in tournament. It was a special game when it came to balance. Um, so... Uh, and then, of course, Ultra Street Fighter 4 got that initial release, and there was a follow-up balance patch there, which polished you know, things up quite a bit and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was it was highly possible, depending on your character, to play offense or defense in that game quite successfully, which is a big thing you know, in our competitive community. We all want to freaking win, right? Um, so I can see Street Fighter 5 entering a similar state where Capcom is aware of the meta and tries to dial back how effective offense is right now, because... Their history shows that they know, understand this stuff, and they do adjust it. And it's been a very unfortunate that the game has shifted so much towards offense. I think that's been kind of an unintentional side effect of some of the things that they've done. Right, the whole commitment-based play and all that has really rewarded offense to a degree that, oof, you know, kind of thing. So um, I can never see them nerfing offense to the point where it's not the stronger of the two. I think that Street Fighter Five is always going to be more offense than defense. But you can definitely tilt the scales a little bit, adjust them a bit to get those things much more in line with each other. Yeah. As far as the other things that we want to see changed about the game, we've talked mainly about gameplay and mechanics and such. But um, do you want to do anything in the way of like story mode or in the way of like new characters? And, and I'll just say I'm I'm not I don't care about those things at this point. I think that the roster is at a fine place. Like new characters are fun, but I don't need any more at this point. And uh, I'm really just wanting to play the game. I want the game to be what it, you know get to that place of, of fun to play through and through and stop having to put other bells and whistles on it like because it's that's the core experience and so that's where my mind and heart goes but we've talked about this with uh, you know other people and and some of them are like no i want the new story mode no i want you know even more characters and things along those lines so how do you feel about that i am uh one i'll say right from the get-go because i've known about this i'm a huge proponent of netcode improvements um because uh having those having a major impact on our quality of life overall. Uh, I get that it's a very hardcore thing, but with how many online things Capcom is doing, into rolled open is, is freaking online, right? And and there's a much bigger shift. So they have to, in my opinion, they have to step up and deal deliver better netcode. But I don't know if it's coming with Street Fighter Five. I, I well, we're about to have hundreds of people in the tournament mode, whatever that right. exactly is going to mean. Yeah, and I mean, and they did say they have half a million people playing. You know, or not half a million people, but half a million matches happening daily in Street Fighter Five. Still, that's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge part of your player base that's that's supporting this game. That's playing with. I don't want to call it subpar netcode. I guess you could call it subpar netcode for 2019. That's fair, but I mean, you know. Um, this is way better netcode than a lot of games have. It's rollback, which is a very important distinction between you know the the input delay you know netcode that a lot of other games have, and and even kind of refuse to to implement the rollback code. Like Guilty Gear, the 2021, um, they are up in the air about if they're even going to be able to do rollback code. So the fact that we have Street Fighter V with that code in it, rollback is generally considered as vastly superior overall when it's done correctly. Um, you have to give Capcom a little bit of credit there, right? You you can't just say yeah. like, hey, give us freaking you know Mortal Kombat 11 you know level netcode. That's a brand new game. It's a brand new game that just came out this year. Yeah, it's not a fair apples to apples thing. 
But since we're asking for stuff and since online is becoming a bigger and bigger thing, it's like, let's get that net code in there. And then what they could do with it. Like you, you start to polish up stuff like especially dashing and high speed moves um, uh, that, that, you know, make the character go forward quite a bit. All of a sudden, the online play, when those, that stuff happens, the teleporting around the screen happens a lot less. And it's it's really about how the netcode looks at a move like a dash or a move that, that you know, typically teleports the other player around when the connection goes bad and how the netcode handles that. And if they see how to handle that a little bit more optimally, like all of a sudden, you might think there was a massive overhaul to Street Fighter V's netcode. Because all of a sudden, like, you know, the, the times that you know that the game is more likely to teleport and, you know, have issues with rollback and all that kind of stuff, it stops happening. And Capcom... Yeah, going to resonate with you a lot more. Yeah, and Capcom may have only adjusted, let's just say off the top of my head, like five things. Like five things, five major things, like dashing and, again, forward traversing moves, right? That, that really put Bison V-Trigger 1, where he's freaking teleporting all around and whatnot. He, he actually teleports, but with, you know, leg, that's <laughs> double teleporting, right? Or heliporting. Uh, yeah, uh, but... Uh, you fix stuff like that, and all of a sudden people think you have dramatically improved the game. Where, oh no, we actually just added like five or six things that we know are consistent issues with people playing online, and we fixed them. You know, and it's like, holy crap, like the game feels 20 times better, and that can happen. And, and so that would be one of the, the major things I would hope would happen with the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you did ask me about story mode. Uh, I will say uh, I am actually a fan of the game's original story mode. It's goofy. Zangief blocks a freaking katana blade with his chest hair. That is amazing. Damn it. Does anything else happen? Because <laughs> um, I don't remember. I yeah. just know that there's that and there's a puzzle chess piece. Yeah. Chess pieces <laughs> on the moon and Ryu looks up at it. And that's oh, his, and, yeah. and this Rashid breaks into the evil Shadaloo base and his name is the password to break into the code. <laughs> Yeah, that I remember too. Because <laughs> everything starts and ends with Rashid. I think that's Capcom just having this meta commentary on the situation that they knew would evolve. <laughs> um, but I, I would take it any day of the week, like especially if it's like a shorter story mode that it doesn't have to be like you know a five hour, however long the, the, the one we got, and be freaking convoluted and crazy. But I, I've always been a big advocate for like, why don't you finally tell the origin story of Ryu and Kin in game? Like, and just have a segment with Goken where he's showing him how to throw fireballs and, like, that's part of the story mode. And you play it for two or three hours, but you finally see how two of the most iconic fighting game characters were introduced to the franchise. You know, like, how, where they came from, like, what they did and stuff. Like, we have to go to YouTube and watch, you know, videos, like, to see that stuff. Or I have to read, like, freaking game facts and stuff. Like, actually having a story mode like that I think would have a lot of value. I don't think you need a lot of length to show that you can do a polished product with that and get people hype about the game it's kind of like it's kind of like one fourth of what the story mode we got with the game would be right like in terms of length and all that kind of stuff but if it delivers and it's fun i think that would go a long way yeah that's fair i, I wonder how many people that would resonate with but eh, yeah. it would resonate with a handful at least you've said something i've heard uh, i think i think nick said something about it so yeah i'm sure it would yeah um, and, and then uh, I'll, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here because we're definitely running long on the segment and i'll just say again don't stop communicating um, we, we're already off to a great start with here with season five. Um, Ono has been, uh, he did the great interview, but he's also since Evo, he's been saying, Hey, this is what's coming. Uh, this is what to expect. He hasn't had, you know, he doesn't do it every day or anything like that. It's, it's once every month or however often and whatnot, but he's telling us what to expect and it's fine and it's, it's totally okay. Uh, they've outlined their major plans for, you know, season five. We're good. Just don't stop. 
even if it's a simple like, hey, uh, here's a reminder, we're not doing anything until Evo, um, but we have some special stuff for you for Evo, you should definitely be excited. That's perfect, right? Yeah, acknowledge. Yes, exactly. Just let your fans know that you care. Um, it's uh, it's with my wife. I can't, you know, walk around her and never tell her I love her, um, like for months, you know, kind of thing. I would get my butt kicked if I did that. So I have to. Do you, you know, love me? <laughs> uh, well, I'm doing things differently yes. this year, honey, and I'll tell you in eight months what that is. Yes, exactly. I would be murdered. Um, so anyway, Capcom, you know, respect your relationship there. Uh, you've been doing a good job as of late. Just keep doing that. So. All right. Uh, so anyway, so enough of that here. Uh, as we've mentioned, the North America regional finals are, are coming up this weekend. Uh, John, what should fans be looking out for there? Uh, well, it's the last stop on the Pro Tour before we get to Capcom Cup. So it's going to be finalizing a lot of, well, everything, save for the last chance qualifier and the last person that's going to enter. Uh, we're going to know everybody else. There are just a handful of people that are are really on the bubble as far as their fate uh, for the Capcom uh, Cup may or may not play out in the way they want it to. So I kind of wanted to look specifically at those players just because that's, you know, those are the ones you're like, okay, so what's going to happen to you uh, this coming weekend? And so you have people like Idom in 24th place with 905 points. He's probably okay. Probably it would be hard for him not to really, you know, the stars would have to align with him not performing well and a handful of uh, specific people that are right around him performing well. Right below him is Sako with 885 points. Yeah, it's pretty close to the same idea. JB, 875 points with 26. And normally, uh, that would be, or 27th, I should say, would be the cutoff. And that's where uh, Luffy is right now. Mm -hmm. But Luffy's actually in a pretty good spot, um, all things considered. And then you have 801 Strider at 28th. And that is the bubble, technically, right now. So if Capcom Cup happened today or tomorrow, 801 Strider would be the one that they would say, oh, so close, but uh, sorry, no dice. Uh, but that actually, that isn't necessarily the case for 801 right now because even if he doesn't get in, this is also the weekend where we decide the North American regional representative. And of the eight players that are qualified, it's only Terrence, El Chicote, and Shine that are not already in via points. Now that could maybe change, but... If, the, if none of the other players like IDOM or JB fall below the cutoff line in the global standings and 801 Strider performs better than Terrence, Chakotay, and Shine, he'll be in either way. So even though he's right there in the bubble, 801 Strider is in a pretty good position, all things considered. Below him is where it really starts to get interesting because the next person down is Itabashi Zangief in 29th place. And he's actually tied with Kichipamu, so it's 29th and 30th right there with 780 points. Itabashi Zangief got second place at the Capcom Cup last year. And there is a very real possibility that he doesn't make it into the big dance at all this year. Of course, his main go-to is Abigail. And Abigail got a ton of changes and... uh, so it's been a, a rough a rough road for him. But it's interesting because he's been just such a matter of fact, like he's always up there. And I, from what I recall, last year, he was running at the very end to try to get in, um, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, he's doing that same thing right now. And it could be a similar situation where he just barely makes it in and then he makes it all the way to second place. Who knows? But he's really got to do well this weekend. Same thing for Kichipamu. Uh, 
I don't know where to emphasize the syllables on that. Uh, but he plays Zangief. We have a possibility of an actual Zangief in Capcom Cup this year, which kind of sounds sort of foreign to everybody because like that character hasn't been doing too much outside of Kichipamu. Like Itabashi Zangief hasn't really used the character too incredibly much this year either. Um, but he's he, so with Itabzan, it's like. Man, this char- this player should probably be in there, and he very well might not. Kichipamu is kind of like a Cinderella story the other way around. It's like, well, we haven't seen him in these big arenas yet, but he might just actually be able to climb up and SBD his way into Capcom Cup, and who knows what kind of damage he could do there. But it would be awesome, I think, if he made it a Zangief player, but no, not just any Zangief player, this one that has made it work when you know the likes of Snake Eyes and Itazon haven't been able to. So he's right there on the cusp. Um, and then below him, it starts to kind of fizzle out. It's like you got Smug, you got uh, Mena RD, mm-hmm. the 2017 Capcom Cup winner. These players like would have to get you know, like top two, top three, and then also make sure that uh, certain other players, well, hope that certain other players don't perform in order to get up there. And I think that, that Mena RD has actually said like, hey, GG's to my season. I am you know not that good right now. I, I'm not even going to enter the, uh, the open tournament is I think what he said. So. Yeah, I think his name is on the, the I think there was only like 120 entrants, which is kind of low considering what this tournament is. Mm-hmm. But it seems as though maybe it's just the killers that really want to try and go for it, this last ditch effort. Yep. Um, and then a lot of these people are like the likes of Tokido and Punk and Daigo and people that are well qualified and have been for a while gatekeeping and trying to get their hands on the money or, or better seating position. Yeah, let, Let's actually run down just some of the people that right now they're out of Capcom Cup and their only chance of making it is getting a really high placing here at the North American Regional Finals. Uh, mm-hmm. People of Takamura B, Moke, Haitani. Well, Takamura is actually is uh, he qualified in, with the, uh, the uh, via yeah, Europe. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my bad there. So Haitani, Gamer B, Justin Wong. Um, and then it starts getting a little bit like the the you know the who's who, you know, kind of stuff like drops off sure. a little bit there. But it's interesting. It's like, man, there's some it's going to be wild not seeing Justin Wong at Capcom Cup. Like, he's always at Capcom Cup, right? And and so, but that's... But he's know. family man in it now, right? Yeah. He's, got his, he's married, and now he's got his kid and such, and he hasn't been traveling quite as much. But yeah, Gamer B, probably not. Wong, probably not. Johnny, who we saw really perform well at the beginning of this season, probably not. Yeah. Um, even further down, Xiao Hai. Yep. It's like, whoa, this things have really turned on their heads. And again, you have the LCQ. Any one of these people could go and win the LCQ for sure. You know it. And some of them could get in you know, here at this last event. But it's a pretty huge weekend. It's a super premiere on the level of, of Evo as far as the you know prestige of the tournament. Well, as far as a Capcom Pro Tour event goes. And uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. And it very well could be that we don't see a whole lot of moving and shaking because all of those... Uh, I don't want to call them killers because everyone here is a killer, but, you know, the likes of Bonchan and Tokido and such are still there. It's like the top eight could just be like the top eights that we normally see. And uh, but maybe someone rises up, has a Cinderella story. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a great weekend for tournaments, man. So much going on. Okay, we're going to transition over here. I'm hitting the mute button on John's computer, figuratively speaking. And I'm bringing in Majin Ten Shinhan because we can't get enough of him here on the Event Hubs podcast. And we're going to talk about... Uh, the new Guilty Gear, Guilty Gear 2020, which we've seen a handful of footage and content for thus far. A couple of characters have been shown, of course, some sequences. We've gotten some uh, some textual stuff on what the new mechanics or the uh, changes to the mechanics are going to be like. Um, and for me, it's been exciting. I've been mostly excited about both... Blazing. 
blazing because that song uh, slaps, as the kids say these days. <laughs> so anyways, welcome, Nick. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but people have been happy about it. But then in more recent days, maybe weeks, they've been a little bit hesitant, a little cautious. I'm hearing stuff about it being dumbed down compared to what we currently have in Guilty Gear. And uh, so I'll turn it over to you. What have you been hearing? What have you been seeing? How have you been reacting to it? Uh, wow, where to begin? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm always glad to uh, join the podcast. Um, with Guilty Year 2020, um, the first impression was amazing because, as you said, the song slaps. He actually rhymed blazing with blazing. I don't know how he got and away no with it. No one was mad about no. it. Yep, no one no. was mad about it. Everyone just like, and that was the only rhyme that we knew. Yeah. So we just kept saying, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> the song is that good. And the visuals are obviously unbelievable. Like, you know, everyone already praised Exerd and Drangle Fighters for their amazing visuals. And this somehow manages to take it a step further, which I thought was impossible with the same type of style, but they did it. So it looks amazing. And that was the first view we got of it was like, okay, we have Kai, we have Sol, they have somewhat new designs. Don't stray too far from the original. Well, at least not Sol. Kai is a little bit more different, but you still recognize them. And you got to see a little bit of gameplay. It looks amazing. Then they kept revealing new characters. They showed Mei with a very new design. They showed Axel with a... I mean, it's a new design, but... People are talking about like, oh, he does he doesn't have shorts anymore. I'm like, Exert is the only game he had shorts. Like he went twenty years before that with long pants. This is this is not news. But then at the beginning of this month, we had the gameplay stream where you, where they detailed some of the systems. They showed uh, Chip, one of my favorite characters, so I'm happy. Buff Chip, right? As I've been hearing. I mean, he's always been kind of buff, but he looks buffer now. <laughs> he looks very buff. And uh, Potemkin, who doesn't look that different really from Exert, except like his neutral stance looks like he's measuring your sandwich at Subway, which is really weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the characters I think everyone's kind of happy with. There's some new designs. Uh, they all look great in the engine. Uh, the problem, or I don't know if, it, if it's even a problem, it's very hard to say so far, is with the gameplay demonstration and the talk around the game where they basically, like their design philosophy with Guilty Gear, um, 2020 or new guilty gear as they call it in japan right now has been to change basically everything they said in interviews before that like we just started from scratch and we didn't like include systems because they felt guilty gear we just started from scratch to make a game and see what we felt made sense to add afterwards and i don't think people really realize from those interviews how much they were gonna change for this version but they like like right now it looks like they threw the baby out with the bathwater because they went absolutely a hundred percent opposite of what you would expect from Guilty Gear in a lot of ways. Not every way. You still have like Roman cancels and stuff like that, but like I mean I wanna preface all of this by saying that they've been very adamant about this being the test version that you can play this weekend at Arc Reeve America, the demo version, and they want feedback. And what well, so what types of things have have specifically stood out as uh, uh, distractingly different? Well, there seems to be extremely few air options, not air options, but air combo options. It seems like your opponent would be flying to the ground very fast, and like air combos are a very big part of Guilty Gear, especially Exert. I feel 
you have corner combos basically being not a thing anymore because you have this wall break stage transition thing. So some characters rely entirely on wall combos. And I understand why they wanted to do that because the Exerd uh, games, some characters were overly reliant on, oh, you're in the corner, now you lose. You know? That was... Well, but, so, I mean, I'm no expert, but if that's the case and then all of these stages have these breakaway walls and you'll have a transition there, wouldn't it be safe to assume that you're also not going to be playing the exact same version of your character that's going to rely on wall combos because if you were to just take, copy-paste, you know, a version of a character from Exert into 2020 and say, oh, but now you don't have the wall combos that you are, uh, you know, just depending on, uh, good luck. I mean, I'm sure they're not going to do something like that, right? So isn't this just an example of people taking one thing and comparing it to something else that they have really no idea what it's, that character is going to look like once they're in the realm of Guilty Gear 2020? Right. That's absolutely the case right now. And that's the thing. Right now, we've only seen all the changes. We haven't gotten a proper idea of how they actually work because people haven't had their hands on the game yet. And the development team don't know how players are going to react to these changes once they're in their hands. That's why they really want this feedback because they kept saying... All of this stuff could be changed by the final game. Like, maybe it could look exactly like Exerd once people give enough feedback, if that's what the players want. But right now, they're doing these extreme changes, and they're probably going to see which ones people like and which ones people don't. So all this, like, we, ha we have people very much up in arms about Guilty Gear being ruined, Guilty Gear being gone, and whatever. I really don't think that's going to be the case, as long as they articulate their thoughts properly to Arxis, especially the ones who get to play the game. What I do think, though, is that this is too deliberate of a design choice for it to be completely, like, changed afterwards. I think they... A few of these changes, I think they are set in stone. It's not something they're gonna go back on. But I think there's room for interpretation with some of the others, because... As it looks right now, the game looks way too basic for a Guilty Gear game, I think. Like, the co wall combos aren't... I mean, wall combos exist, but they have, like, this proper limit. And it feels like damage is so high from regular hits. Like, it, it feels like Street Fighter V in that regard, just with, like, a f free or four-hit combo can do, like, 40%, you know? Because mm -hmm. I don't feel like Guilty Gear was that before, unless you got this, this massive counter-hit heavy slash in a certain situation, of course. But, like, usually you're not going to start from there. Another big thing is uh, how Froze used to work in Guilty Gear. Because you had Air Froze and you had Regular Froze, and you still... Wait, did they remove Air Froze? No, I think you still have both. Uh, but either way, throwing was a heavy slash and forward... Or backwards. So the Street Fighter 2. Yes, the Street Fighter 2 version. And this was used a lot by many characters because if they had a good heavy slash in that direction, not everyone has command normals on theirs, but like it's possible to have, um, then that would be a very strong OS because frames are, sorry, throws are one frame. So you would, like, if the opponent is close enough, you're going to get a throw. If they're not, you're going to get a big heavy and maybe... They'll get hit by that, you get something good, you know. So there, there was a lot of strength to that. But now, they've changed it so that they're on forward and back dust, which is a different button. And you do, you are not able to option select that way, I'm pretty sure, because you don't have forward dust attacks. I think it only comes out on neutral. And even if it doesn't, dust attacks 
are not attacks you just want to throw out <laughs> willy-nilly. They're kind of like launchers in Marvel, you know? Sure, so, so they're high risk. Yeah, higher risk for sure. And another thing that's brand new in this case is if you do... Oh yeah, that's right. The reason I'm saying you won't get a dust attack out because of that is because forward and back dust are now the throw input and you will actually get a whiffed throw animation if you do them. There, there weren't animations before? No, you would get... You would get a heavy slash if they were too far away. I see. Okay. Just just like Street Fighter 2. Just like Street Fighter 2. But now that's no longer the case. Now it's like Street Fighter 4 and 5, uh, where you have the throw animation so people can actually see you went for a throw and it missed. And that's very different from what Guild Gear has been up until now. So these examples that you've given so far, the damage output and the way the throws work and then the potential messing with the option selects that everyone has been uh, become accustomed to, those don't sound like changes that couldn't be probably changed later on down the line in development that you're getting at, right? Um, if... Or are these those changes that you're talking about? Because it sounds to me like this is still like, well, they just reduce the damage and maybe they map the throw to a different button or maybe this is what they want, but I mean, it's certainly changing. I think the... F- Damage is easily changeable, of course. Uh, I do not think they would change the throws from what they've done now. Because I think I think it's possible to do, but it feels like too deliberate of a choice to do for them to want to not do that. You get what I mean? Sure. Uh, also, from what I've heard, I just want to be clear first that I haven't followed the Guilty Gear 2020 news like with a magnifying glass. So if I get something wrong here, guys, please forgive me and please correct me in the comments. I'm just going from my general perception. I speak with a lot of Guild Gear players and I've watched myself, but like the characters I played and excerpt aren't in yet, so I can't compare that well. But um, one thing I definitely don't think is going to disappear is uh, the uh, wall, wall combo limitations because they went out of the way to make these transitioning stages and everything. And I think that's way too big of a commitment to have that be something that they're going to remove later so if you get one of these characters that's very reliant on the corner pressure and the corner combos they're gonna have to redesign them quite a bit for them to work in this new game has that been something across all guilty gears a matter of fact or is it something that's really more as far as the importance of wall combos in uh exard and then just i mean similar to uh axel shorts is this just a (laughs) short-term thing that people are like oh i think that this has been around forever when it really hasn't or has it been around forever it's hard to say because uh, for me it's hard to say. It's easy to say for someone who's the Guilty Gear Pro. But with Excerpt, it's very prevalent for some characters. I feel like it wasn't really as prevalent in the earlier ones. I felt like the mix-ups kind of happened whether you were at the wall or not for most characters. Like it was more of a if you are good enough to make this stuff happen, then you'll be able to put them in the blender mid-screen as well, you know? I don't feel... I feel like Exert was more about the corner, depending on the character. It really is character-dependent. But Elfelt is a great example of a character that would completely destroy you in the corner, and a lot of her game plan revolves around getting you to the corner because then she can get uh, more effective setups with her grenades and lead to unblockables and stuff. Um, and that... Like, if Elfelt were to be introduced to this game, she would probably still have that, but it wouldn't give her as much... Um, Oh, how do you say? Uh, I only remember the Swedish word. <laughs> What's the Swedish word? Utdelning. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know what you're saying. It wouldn't give you as much output as, as it usually would mm-hmm. compared to Xrd. And that does feel like a very deliberate design choice. I think they're trying... Like, on the one hand, it feels like they're trying to limit 
it's so you don't get killed in two hits, which can happen in Exert now, depending on the situation, of course. But and on the other hand, they're making this huge damage increases on small combos, so it feels like you're still going to die from two hits, just way less flashily, which seems like a strange mm. thing to do. I don't know. Are there any other like totally brand new mechanics that are on their way in? Or just changes or, or different takes on existing ones? I'm pretty sure they introduced like status effects, you know, like an RPG. They, they're like in Persona, the games, uh, the fighting games, because that's obviously based on RPG, right? So um, it's like a situation where you could get a status effect where... Oh, how should I explain this? Uh, well, there's... Like a damage over time or a slow or, or something like that? There was one, I believe, that Kai had, which made it so your opponent's risk gauge was would go up faster, and I don't know if you even know what the risk gauge is. Yeah, of course I know what the risk gauge is, but maybe some of our listeners don't. Yeah, so uh, the risk gauge is a thing which increases the more you block, so like turtling is going to increase your risk gauge, and then if your risk gauge is too high, you're liable to take counter hits on moves that aren't... <laughs> yeah, uh, take counter hits on moves that aren't actually counter hits, you know, so it kind of becomes like you're getting crush countered for being to coward yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like the same idea as like a guard break or something like that something to deter people from just playing keep away and blocking yeah. and and such yeah yeah it's the same principle so they had one uh of these status effects with kai where he would put a status effect on you that made your risk gauge rise faster so blocking becomes even more risky maybe you only block three hits and now your risk gauge is up there you know That's and cool. i think soul had one where like he just got more damage because he's a gorilla he's a brute so whatever <laughs> uh so those kind of status effects are apparently in play now and they seem to be at least somewhat inspired by the persona games i mean it's the same developer um and how are people reacting to that though is that like a good or bad or just a, oh well, we'll see what happens when we actually get our hands on it I haven't seen anyone really react negatively to the status effects, but I, that's mostly because I've seen people react negatively to everything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not everything else. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, people are very up in arms about so much stuff being gone. Like, uh, damage is very high, even though your combos don't seem to be that long. And air combos seem to be a thing of the past, at least in a big, like, largely. And you have the corner com- wall combos that are, like, a different thing now the froze you can't os that way and the froze work kind of differently and this is something i haven't seen myself but a friend of me uh, of mine said when we were talking about the new guilty gear but basically like based on what the developers were saying they really shifted oki so the guaranteed oki is basically not a thing anymore which is also kind of a big thing for a lot of mm. guilty gear characters so it's a bit weird how do you do that? Like, you give them various ways of waking up, like a delayed wake up or a roll, or, or what? I would assume that's what they've done, but I haven't, I didn't hear about this myself, you know? Sure. Uh, this, like, I only, this is secondhand information. So if I'm completely wrong about this, uh, then let me know, guys. I've just heard that, like, there are different, there are different types of wake ups that will mitigate the uh, Oki situations, because a lot of characters in. Uh, Guilty Gear uh, have, you know, they get to knock down and then they get to set up something. They get Vortex. to, 
Well, you said yourself yeah. it could be like a two-hit death sometimes in certain it situations. Can be. So it that can sounds be. like a pretty, uh, well, you don't want the follow-up to whatever a successful hit is to give them too much advantage because then it's like oh, a single hit leads to death and we've been there too many times. <laughs> yeah, but those kind of situations require a lot of setup. It's not just stuff you can do from round start unless the opponent is really... You know, taking the wrong risks. Yeah, if they get which up is kind of the rounds over and, yeah. and celebrate something like that. But a very simple example is uh, there with Kai, for example, who's kind of one of the main characters. Um, if he gets a knockdown in X, this is about excerpt right mm-hmm. now. If he gets a knockdown, he can do his dust, which actually puts up a. Uh, it's not ris- very risky for him because he puts up a. Um, what should I call it? Like a circle, and then if he shoots a projectile through that circle, it will become a buffed projectile. It becomes stronger. Okay. So he gets the knockdown, he does the dust, he does the projectile. You're going to wake up into that projectile. Your only option is to block. And then he will dash forward, maybe air dash forward, and he'll go high-low. So you have to guess. That's the kind of situation that he has. That's not going to be a two-hits lead-to-death situation because he can't get that much off of that. But that's an example of what kind of Oki we're talking about. Okay. He kind of forces you to block and then he can go low-high. And then obviously... There are deeper mind games after that. But, you know, that, that kind of stuff is fairly prevalent, but is apparently not going to be as prevalent. Are there any things that you personally feel uh, a reservation about? Because we talked about a handful of things that people might be overreacting to. But from what you know personally, is there anything that you're like, oh, I don't like that they're doing this. It already smells like a bad idea. The air combos. I think the air combos are super cool in Guilty Gear, and there's so much interesting stuff to do with them. I love how long they can go, but like everything I see right now, you can't really get air combos to keep going, or at least not very long, and I don't know, I think that's kind of sad. It removes a lot of the style from Guilty Gear for me. It's starting to sound like when you took out FADCs from 4 and went into 5, and that 5 was well, dumbed down in certain ways and the ability to express yourself wasn't as much there. It's starting to sound similar. How accurate is that? I can't say now since nobody has tried it, but the first impression feels a bit like that. I've seen a lot of people liken this to uh, how Street Fighter 4 players felt about Street Fighter 5. Um, mm-hmm. But it's too early to say. You know, there's a lot of stuff we haven't seen. They're open to feedback. They're very open to feedback. They said a lot of stuff is going to be reversed if people don't like it so you know if you don't like what's going on with guilty gear right now tell developers if you do like what's going on with guilty gear now tell the developers like keep (laughs) them informed about what you think because your feedback is going to directly influence the direction this game takes well it sounds like they paid very close attention to what happened with games like marvel versus capcom infinite and how important that when you start to show your game it better look good and it better make people mm-hmm. happy even though it's the in-development version. And yeah. their openness, their, you've said it a handful of times here and apparently they said it a million times during their presentations, let us know, tell us, this is what's going on, things can and will change. If I'm a Guilty Gear fan at this point, even if what I'm seeing is not the most enticing and I have some reservations or trepidation about it, I'm happy that that's the communication channel that's going on right now because that's very encouraging. I think whatever does come out at the end, uh, there's a really good chance that it's going to be good. Yeah. There are some other things I want to touch on mm-hmm. that I think are... There's one that I don't like very much, but there's uh, some that I think are good. 
Uh, I'll start with the one I don't like very much because we've been on a negative train already. Uh, but let me see here. In Exert, there's something called Faultless Defense. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's kind of like push blocking in Marvel. It's similar in a way. Uh, in that it knocks your opponent backwards. It costs meter, though. So when you do Faultless Defense, you can do it without them already hitting you. And it's going to cost meter. And it's gonna like make a little barrier around you. So if they hit you while you're doing it, while they're doing it, they're gonna knock back a bit. And it also doing faultless defense won't heighten your risk gauge, so that factor isn't there at all. Mm -hmm. So it's a very superior form of blocking, but it costs meter. All right. So now that we know what faultless defense is, <laughs> uh, for all the listeners that weren't aware, you of course yeah, know was all of this. Of course, um, in Exerd you can block grounded attacks in the air so if i'm jumping and you're on the ground and you try to anti-air me i can block with faultless defense in the air but if we're both in the air that doesn't work okay so okay. you're with me here you can actually bait people to do a grounded anti-air to do that i do that all the time yeah, of course now in the new guilty gear you can just block it regularly so this kind of risking it kind of skews the risk-reward game because now grounded anti-airs are effectively... I wouldn't say they're useless, but if the opponent now chooses without any big risk to themselves to just do an empty jump, they can just hold back and they're going to be able to block if you decide to do an anti-air. And you're not too happy about that? I'm not too happy about that because before it was kind of a risk game with a faultless defense. Um, you had to spend... It's not a lot of meter, but it's still a decision where you have to spend something to be able to do this kind of strong option, which is blocking in the air. Now you can just do it for free. And sure, um, you still can't block air attacks. So if someone air twares you, you're still screwed. But uh, I don't like that very much, personally. But I also think that's the kind of thing that they're probably going to change. But some things I do like is... Uh, let me bring up two things that I like a lot and hope stay in the game. Um, there's one thing where if you start running, because uh, you have air dashes and you have on the ground, you do runs rather than uh, uh, dashing mm -hmm. for most characters anyway. I think there might be someone who kind of does a Morrigan type dash, uh, whatever. But yeah, you do dashes and uh, you run on the ground and then you can stop and you can block, but you have to do faultless defense for that to happen. You have to like cancel the run with faultless defense to be able to block. Otherwise, there's a recovery animation on stopping the run. And that's not the case anymore. Now you can just do it, you can block straight from the run, which I think heightens the potential of ground mobility for newer players. Because this obviously wasn't an issue for anyone who's good at the game. You can, like, going into FB from run, it's second nature, it's not a problem. But for people who are trying to get into the game, it's one of these artificial barriers that just makes you feel like there's too much going on in the game and you can't wrap your head around it. And I feel like removing that one in particular is probably going to make people get more into the movement of Guilty Gear and hopefully like the game more. Mm -hmm. And another one that I like is they have Roman cancels, uh, which is similar to FADC, since you're a Street Fighter Four guy. <laughs> um, where you press buttons, you burn meter, and you cancel the move. And that has been in Guild Gear for quite some time, maybe even from the very first one. I know it was in the XX games. Uh, but it became simplified in Exert in that your opponent slows down during it, so it's easier for you to juggle after. You kind of time stop a little bit when you do it. 
So you can kind of judge the situation, not as much as a V-Trigger activation in 5, but you slow it down a little bit, and they they fall a bit slower, so the combo is easier to continue. You get a bit more, like, situate, time to judge your, the situation around you, right? Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Yeah, so that is still the case in 2020, but they also added a, like, clock on the opponent, so you can see when this slowdown on them is going to end. So you can basically judge much easier, am I okay going for a big option here, or should I keep it to lights? You know, you like, like punch kick. I like that a lot. Because you're basically taking something that's already in the game and making it easier to understand for people who aren't already into the game. It doesn't mm -hmm. really affect... They already have the slowdown. But now you have a visual representation of like, your opponent is going to fall slowly for this amount of time. Like, get going. That yeah, kind that's of cool. And then the other people that are watching, if you get this into the esports world, uh, can appreciate it without having to have it explained to them. Yes, exactly. It's a lot more uh, visually clear what's going on. And I think that's a big part of what they've been trying to go for in the game. Like, for example, the throws. Now you can see if someone whiffs a throw and you'll get, oh, they were trying to do a throw. So I think a large amount of the changes aren't for players, but for viewers. Uh, that sounds dangerous. I know. <laughs> to me. I totally agree. But I'm cautiously optimistic because they keep telling, you know, give us feedback. We want to see this. But you can also tell, like, the UI right now is total placeholder. There's no reason to complain about it at all because we know it's not going to look like that in the end. But one thing that's probably going to be in the game, which is interesting, is that the character select is divided up like a MOBA or Overwatch where you have different categories for different characters. Mm -hmm. So the one we have right now, with only the six characters that were uh, playable, you have Kai and Sol are listed under balance, Chip is listed under speed, May and Potemkin are listed under power, and Alex is uh, Axel, sorry, not Alex, is listed mm -hmm. under tricky, so technical. Okay. So you got speed, power, technical, and you have balance. And then they have, like, you can see on the character cards when you pick them, uh, how easy they are to use. They're graded on a scale from 1 to 5, where 5 is being the easiest. So you can see the Chip isn't the most easy character to use because he's got 3 stars. And you can see which range they're effect uh, ranges they're effective at. So with Chip as an example, you can see that his close and mid-range, he's very effective. Far range, not effective at all. And then you look at Soul, he's super effective close range, not great mid-range. So you, you get a very good feeling for what the character is meant to be doing even if you've never played the game before. So they're clearly trying to bring new players in, which they've said the whole time. But I think they've gone a bit too... Like, I think their presentation is on point. I think their presentation is fantastic. And I think a lot of the stuff they're doing visually makes sense. But I think the gameplay... I haven't tried it, so I can't speak to how it plays. But just looking, looking at it... It feels like they've gone a bit too far uh, with simplifying it. Or, yeah, like you were saying, it sounds worrisome when you hear them talk about pleasing viewers over players. I think that's great for the UI. And to some extent, it's good when you're watching as well. Uh, sorry, in the actual game as well. But uh, they've done a bit too much and players are having a very, very heavy backlash against it. Well, you know, whenever something like this happens, I think our immediate response is usually change is bad, change is scary, and I don't want change. I want to do the thing that I know and that I like. 
and that's that's fine but I, and there it's not impossible to see something on paper and go i know that's not going to work that's just this is what it, this is what the world looks like right now this is exactly what that change is going to do to the world and i don't want to be in the world after that you know something along those lines but most of this stuff is going to be something that you have to process after you've actually had experience and after the community has been able to mess around with it for a while because how many countless examples have we seen where you know a new balance patch comes out or, or something along those lines a new game comes out whatever it is something new comes out and it's you can do so much testing, you can do so much speculation, but it's when the whole community gets their hands on it that you really start to figure out what things mean and what things are and how egregious or not egregious certain sins that the game is making are. So, yeah, I, I get the hesitation, I get the trepidation, I get the excitement and such, but from my point of view as something of an outsider in, in, in certain regards, I'm like, there's a lot that's going good here. The communication is open and you, I mean, at the end of the day, you do want something relatively new. So just because different doesn't mean wrong and you got to keep reminding yourself that because anyone's going to go through that when, especially when you're working with something that, you know, you personally care about quite a bit, but I, I'm pretty optimistic at this point. I, I think the presentation, like you say, has been amazing and, uh, and communication sounds like it's there so you have the foundations of stuff that even if there are problems that are going to arise the ability to fix them yeah i think they're i think they knew people were going to be pissed and that's why they were so extremely like open we can change about, it we can change it <laughs> yeah they re repeated that so many times during the stream so I think they were very, very aware that people were going to be pissed. I think some of these are deliberate enough to sign choices that they're not going to go away. But I think several of them are also kind of up in the air. So if you're a big Guilty Gear fan, go to Arc Revo America this weekend. If you aren't already planning to, try the game out. Tell them what you think. And even if you don't go and try the game, tell them what you think anyway. Like, if you're going to go and whine on Twitter do that but do it to the right people well speaking of whining on twitter super smash bros just released terry and they didn't release a certain other fatal fury character that seems to be making rounds in just about every other franchise out there and that of course is my how do you pronounce her last name she don't know that's what i was gonna say but yeah, <laughs> anyways my uh was brought up uh, during the introduction of Terry by Sakurai, Masahiro Sakurai, the Smash Bros. creator. And he said something to the effect of, Smash is for good little boys and girls, and uh, Mai is a little bit too sexual in nature, and that's why we don't have her. And it was kind of just a little aside and something to be funny and playful. Uh, but the internet then set on fire and got very upset, saying that, well, you have someone like Bayonetta, who is very much sexually themed from day one. You put her in the game, and that was fine. But you can't have someone like Mai. Now... There's a lot more to it than that. I hear that the translation between what was said in Japanese and what was presented in English wasn't quite accurate. Uh, but I'd like to hear from your side of things exactly what's going on here. If people's reactions are founded in any kind of validity or if they're just being goofy and what you think about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, my fanboys are rabid. You do not want to piss these guys off. Uh, King of Fighters 12 did not have Mai in it. And there was a huge campaign, no Mai, no buy. Uh, so they <laughs> had to add her in 13 afterwards. Uh, 
but she's a very popular character and uh, obviously very iconic character. She's the most iconic female character from SNK. Uh, she had origins in Fatal Fury, so she was there before King of Fighters, uh, which is Terry's source game. So obviously my not being there is awkward. And that's why Sakurai brought it up because she is a very glaring omission. But what he said in the Japanese presentation was similar to what he said in the English one. Like, the game is for good boys and girls. But he directly implicated the, the culprit of Mai's disinclusion, which is uh, Ciro, spelled with a C and not a Z. Uh, the Japanese rating board, so like the ESRB, but for Japan. Uh, he said something to the tune of... Ciro says that uh, this is a game for good boys and girls, so Mai can't be in it. That's the gist of it. Like That was the kind of feeling to it, anyway. And the, the reason he said this is clarified later in an interview where people talk to him about... I don't remember exactly which site did the interview, but uh, they had talked to him about the ratings board, Ciro, and um, how hard it was to get the rating they wanted for Smash Ultimate, the rating it has now, because they would send characters, they, they would show them pictures, and they would show, like, these are the characters, this is what they look like, blah, 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 blah. And they were fine with the weapons, they were fine with Snake blowing people up, they were fine with Bayonetta basically having, you know, late, being Latex clad, that was fine. But they kept asking them, uh, could you show us the female characters turned upside down? Because they were specifically looking for panty shots for some reason. Like, that was more of a concern than Bayonetta already having the most skin-tight clothes you could ever have. Like, her whole existence is a panty shot, basically. <laughs> well, but, didn't they nerf Snake's butt, too, in this game? I don't know if that's related to this, but they did. Uh, I don't, like, <laughs> you know it is. They turned Snake upside down and said, oh, there's a little bit too much butt there. We don't want so much cake, guys. Get rid of the Snake cake. I, I, from my experience, rating boards don't care as much about male bodies unless there's a wang involved. But, you know, I don't know. They could be the culprits behind the nerfing of Snake's ass. I'm not going to rule it out. But yeah, so he was saying that two characters in particular gave them a lot of trouble. And that was Bayonetta. Uh, no, sorry, uh, not Bayonetta. Palutena. Because mm -hmm. Palutena has this slit on her dress. So... Because for Zelda and Peach and those characters, they gave them a black void so you couldn't see up their dress. Mm -hmm. That was their solution. But they couldn't do that on Palutena since her legs are visible, or at least one leg. So you couldn't do that on her model. So they kept having to submit it for reapproval a million times. And they also said that uh, Wonder Pink from the Wonderful 101 was uh, an issue. Um, she isn't playable in the game. I don't remember if she's an assist trophy. I don't think so. But she shows up in some form in the game. And apparently they thought uh, there was too much panish on her as well. It's probably one of those uh, spirits. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though that's just art. So I don't know why you would need to turn art upside down. But whatever. Um, so Sakurai said those two gave them a lot of trouble. And they finally managed to get them approved. So I personally think that they didn't even try to put Mai in the game. Because they knew from prior exchanges with Ciro that this was going to be a, a problem. It's interesting that just introducing one character, in this case Terry, who as big of a character and as famous as of one as Mai is, Terry is is more so, right? I mean, it's uh, Terry yeah, is the face of, of Fatal Fury and such, and Mai's right there with him. But to say that you need to have the other one if you bring one in, or that there's going to be an uproar because one got a guest appearance... 
it's like we didn't have this going back with you know Mai's on her way to uh, um, what is it or she's in Dead or Alive six for example right and five wasn't she? Yeah, she wasn't both. Yeah, and it's like well we didn't have Terry in those did we? So yeah, but I think you're misunderstanding. People aren't advocating for Mai to be playable. The fact is the stage has 20 different character models showing up as cameos. And my not being part of that cameo train is what people are upset about. I guess. Uh, I think that there are more important things going on in the world right now. But uh, <laughs> I, Sure, but you could shut down any argument with like that. Like V-Triggers. I was going to give a specific example. There's where oh, the line God. is. My is not a big deal. V-Triggers <laughs> are. There you guys know where I stand. Yeah, so anyway, my not being part of the SNK celebration that is... Terry and Smash is a bit awkward, but um, I don't think you can blame Sakurai for it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Nick. I think we're pretty well out of time here. Um, but thank you for jumping on, talking about Guilty Gear, talking about Snake Butt and Mai and Pellets, all these, all these crazy things. Uh, did you have anything else, any signing off thoughts before we go? Nah, not really. Um, I'm going to go back to Street Fighter V just so I can buy that Lucia costume. I guess that's about it. Oh, right. We got the uh, the new holiday costumes. Another Santa costume. We have two Santas now. I think we have more. I think there's more than just two. Oh, fair enough. I mean, I was counting Cody and G as directly as Santa. but Yeah, but Alex has one, too. He doesn't have a beard, though. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, beardless Alex, Santa, uh, Cody, G, pretty sexy Lucia costume. I don't remember what it looks like off the top of my head right now, but I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> it's pretty nice. Well, thank you, guys. That's going to wrap us up for... This is episode 77 of the Event Hubs podcast, not counting the interview episodes we've done. So, man, we're trucking right along. I'm excited. We'll be back next next week for episode 78. But until then, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. I don't know. They could be the culprits behind the nerfing of Snake's ass. I'm not going to rule it out.